Welcome to a new episode of Werewolf the Podcast. This is a Galliard Rants episode about ah! Werewolf Lark. And I am joined by two of my favorite people, Carrie and Ryan. Welcome to both of you. Hello. I don't believe that. <laughs> I mean, I believe we're welcome, but I don't know that I believe that we're two of your favorite people. So what I'm going to need you to do now is just go ahead and prove that. Okay, I will. I will prove that. I'm not sure how, but I'm wow. settling down to prove it. All right. So, for our listeners, you can tell this is going to be the tone of this episode. <laughs> so, Ryan and Carrie have. Uh, Carrie obviously is our regular co-host, but Ryan and Carrie have come today to talk about LARP, particularly werewolf LARP. They are experienced werewolf LARPers, both running and playing, and I think this is going to be a fun episode. So. Before we get into that, I've got to do this thing where I pitch the Patreon. So if you are not aware, Werewolf the Podcast is a Patreon. You can find us on Patreon at Werewolf the Podcast. For as little as a dollar, you can join our Discord and hang out and talk about Werewolf with us. And we have some really cool conversations. And if you're interested in other levels, there are other cool perks as well. And I invite you to come and become a patron. So... One of my favorite uh, conversations that just happened is when we were talking about rusty claves. Claves don't rust. But don't they? Like, what if it, if the spirit becomes corrupt, will it? It'll tarnish, but It'll it will tarnish, not. tarnish, but it won't rust. What and if then... you put a rust spirit in it? Oh. Maybe that is the way to get a rusty silver clave. But would that then be a, a worm clave? And would rust be a would rust a rust spirit be a worm spirit? And are all claves silver? Oh, that's that. Don't start that conversation. That's true no. because some, I think so. Yes, I think you to for it to be a clave, it has to be silver. But for it, it has to be a, have silver, it doesn't have to be completely silver though. Mm, there are there are examples of electricity claves, bone it, claves, bone claves. They're all all throughout the books. There's always an exception. Okay. I think that's fair, but I would just call those fetish weapons and not claves. They're called claves. All right, fine, werewolf. <laughs> Sorry, this is why I ended up leaving an entire org. Literally over, over whether or not a clave had to be silver or not. <laughs> <laughs> so so that, that's a hill I will die on. There is a whole episode in there about organizational stuff <laughs> that we should probably go into, but let's not for this episode. <laughs> So here's my question, guys. What is LARP? LARP is live action role playing game. At its simplest, it's basically taking your tabletop game and instead of playing it around a table with a bunch of Doritos wearing your normal clothes, you dress up like your character and you go to a location. Maybe it's a warehouse or it's an art gallery or, or a, a park. park and you uh, dress up like your character. You play the character. Uh, you stay in character as much of the time as possible. And uh, there's usually, instead of having five people around the table, you might have 20 or 25 people playing. Or if you're really lucky, 125. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't happen as much as it used to back in the 90s. Um, it's a lot of improv acting. Okay, everyone, the episode's over. That was a good description. Yeah, We're just going to go. See you next week. <laughs> I, um, I think that was a great description of LARP. The only thing that I would add is that there are often props as well. Hmm. So you are in costume and there are things to, uh, to hold and to move around that represent the objects in the game. Um, there is a rule in White Wolf LARPing not to have guns or anything that could be misconstrued as a real weapon, but otherwise there are lots of props in LARP. And you don't always have to have the actual item that you need either. Uh, in White Wolf, for example, their LARP systems, they all use item cards. So it's a note, it's a index card and it says pistol and then it will have the, the guns stats. Know, stats on it. Yep. And don't be like me from the last episode and leave prop weapons in your car while you're driving <laughs> too fast on the highway. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it and laugh at me. Oh my god! It, it it even just hearing you tell that story, like my my mom instincts kicked in, and I was like, I have to yell at Josh now. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh! It's fair. Oh. I don't know if Ryan has heard that story. He doesn't listen to my podcast. I don't. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I will not hold it against you. 
Okay, so there are a bunch of different ways to LARP. Um, what I mean by that is there are a bunch of different rule systems to use. The least common of them around here, around here being the United States, is the Nordic LARPing style, which is rules light, where you negotiate um, play and you do that sort of thing. It um, is also called American freeform LARP occasionally by some people because there are some differences between Nordic and American freeform. But I'm mentioning that just to say, I don't know of any werewolf LARP that actually uses those rules. So it's out there. If you have done that, please give us some feedback and let us know. There's also Boffer LARPs, which is uh, where you, you know, that's kind of the one that always gets, gets made fun of on Supernatural and TV shows and things like that, which is where you're in a park and you're using foam swords to hit each other and throwing the beanbags. We've all seen the- Magic missile. Yeah, the magic, you know, uh, fireball, fireball, fireball. We've all seen that video. Uh, and typically vampire and werewolf and World of Darkness LARPs are also not boffer LARPs. Um, and a lot of times that's simply because, uh, you know, where World of Darkness LARPers tend to be lazy and not want to run around a park. No, <laughs> goodness. Um, it's mostly because the the settings of World of Darkness isn't, you're not carrying around a bunch of weapons to be able to fight like that. That's not the story being told. It's much more industrial. So you're more likely to play in a warehouse or, uh, or something like that. Yeah. The other thing I'll say is that the rule system from the very beginning, from the first books, were like, don't use real weapons. Don't um, mm -hmm. don't actually touch each other and things like that. So in parlor LARP, which is kind of this style of LARP, there's less of this uh, culture of we're going to have weapons, foam weapons or whatever kind of weapons and use them to hit each other with. Because when uh, when the first book came out, LARP, the concept of LARP, at least in the Americas, was was a newer concept mm -hmm. and so like there was a lot of safety concerns don't touch anyone ever <laughs> you're like whoa okay, okay i can't shake their hand ask permission first you know and you're like okay which you know isn't a terrible thing yeah. um it's just a mindset you have to be in you know and and as as josh said the the mind's eye theater rule books that were actually published by by white wolf uh, they very much embrace the idea of the parlor LARP. And they call them parlor LARPs because you're essentially playing in a parlor, you know, so to speak. Uh, it's something you would play in a large room with lots of people. Uh, it's very sort of murder mystery dinner. Yes. So. Yep. And I think it is interesting to see the evolution of LARP from like some of the early buffer soft to the reaction to, oh no, we can't touch each other in like early parlor LARP mm -hmm. and how all of that informed each other. Um, I would love to talk to you all about LARP on your show uh, on a roll at some point. I know sure. you've had an episode on LARP, but it would be fun to have another conversation at some point about the history maybe. Um, yeah. But I think let, let's talk about actual uh, World of Darkness werewolf LARP. Sure. Um, there's been a couple different books. <laughs> so been a lot of different books. Yeah. Um, the very first LARP book that World of Darkness put out was a giant book. And by giant, I don't mean like it had a lot of pages. I mean, like the pages were big. Right. Um, it was real difficult to, to use at a game because you couldn't carry it around with you. <laughs> um, it was literally eight and a half by 11. Yeah. So it was and, it was very large, but they called that brand Mind's Eye Theater, uh, and and that has kind of stuck. It's always been Mind's Eye Theater ever since. But in that initial edition, it was eight and a half by eleven. Uh, it looks very much on the inside. It looks like a a tribe book or mm -hmm. or any other sort of source book. They just replaced dice with paper rock scissors. An elaborate and complex system of paper rock scissors. <laughs> and I always thought this was neat. And they removed all of the artwork and put photos in. Yes. And I always, you know, like, it was always just really neat to look through and be like, oh, that's a gamer. That's a gamer. <laughs> like, that could be me. And it, I, for me anyway, it actually always made me feel very, um, 
Ryan is showing us one of the pictures from the book, which is great audio, but the art in this is actually fun. So people should find the book and look yes. at the art it, at the very least. It's yeah, funny because I, I look at these pictures and it's like, yeah, I know that gamer. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> we, you don't know the actual person, but we all recognize the, the gamer archetype, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually a little comforting. Yeah. Like, oh, we're, we're, we've always been this way. Okay. <laughs> What I like too is seeing the like the progression of pictures between the various editions because they don't they don't get better necessarily they just get different and you're like oh I see a different like reflection of myself in this person That's yeah very true well it's like the the first set of they're they're like like over exaggerated poses and clearly like someone was like hey i'm gonna take a picture of you in character and everyone posed and all that right. if i tear my shirt a little i'll look like i was a <laughs> werewolf <laughs> no and that's awesome right and like i actually feel more connected to the older pictures than i do the newer pictures because all the newer pictures they're like i went and had my hair done so right. i look exactly like my character and like they're great they're like more polished, but they're less LARP feeling. Yep. <laughs> and it, there's there's something to be said, I think, for actually like feeling like, oh, this what we are doing is what is reflected in the book. Like yes. that is yeah. an interesting feedback. And I think that that is also tied a little bit to why, uh, you know, when we talk about LARP in the United States, you know, there are, uh, argue it or not, you know, you could the the SCA may or may not be LARP in America. <laughs> the SCA doesn't know if it's LARP or not, right. and they will fight you about it. Yeah, it's a yeah, that's that's a violent conversation. But it may or may not be LARP. Same with uh, what's the the other one, Carrie? Are you talking about AmpGuard? AmpGuard may or may not be LARP. Um, you know, but it was LARP to begin with, but it's kind of historical reenactment now evolved into other things. Yeah, right. I don't. I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, and so that's kind of uh, what American LARP was for the longest time. Uh, and then when World of Darkness came out, I think the reason why the World of Darkness was able to get so many Americans to embrace LARP was because there was very little costuming necessary. A vampire trying to uphold the masquerade dresses like you and I, especially in the 1980s when we all wore long trench coats and had, had long hair, you know, Aww, like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. And they were like... I would normally wear my clan t-shirt. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, one, of my, one of my favorite costuming choices was going to a more recent werewolf LARP with my, uh, my uh, whatever, my auspice symbol on my shirt. So, you know, <laughs> I'm that guy. Right? <laughs> but, but I think that that's why World of Darkness was like the first major American LARP success. I think it's really tied to the fact that it was costume simple. Yep. It was accessible, for a lot of folks. Yep. Uh, and yet, also, if you wanted to do fancy costuming, it was also welcoming to that. Mm -hmm. And so, I think that that's why it was embraced. Of course, and now there's all of these other LARP systems. You have Dystopia Rising and and all of the Boffer LARP systems and stuff. And and LARP is a much more bigger, more accessible thing in America. But I, you know, World of Darkness LARP was really kind of the 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 impetus for all of that yeah and it was it's the gateway larp it absolutely was like for a while there mid to late 90s and early 2000s it was the larp like right. people did other larps but they were like no the larp that i do is obviously world of darkness because that mm -hmm. is what so many people did like it was possible to have conventions of thousands of people that were at a larp together in the yeah days. my first my first vamp i know we're a werewolf podcast but my first vampire game uh because we we all can agree like vampire is more popular than werewolf yep. uh, you know i believe werewolf fans Ooh. i think werewolf people <laughs> love werewolf more than vampire people love vampire mm -hmm. but i you know the numbers the numbers are different uh but my first vampire larp played uh every single week and they would play Thursday night one week. And then the next week they would play Saturday night. And the Thursday night game was like 60 people. And the Saturday night game was like 150. Right. And it was, it was insane. Like today that's unheard of. Uh, if you're not a, if you're not running, you know, a, a, a blockbuster boutique mm -hmm. kind of weekend LARP, uh, you know. And then what was even worse is it would go Thursday, 
<clears throat> and then Friday we would travel up north to another game to play. Right. And then Saturday night was the <clears throat> werewolf game, and Sunday afternoon was a Dark Ages game. <laughs> like, like it was, yeah. Like looking back, I'm like, how, I was, I'm so exhausted even thinking. When did we sleep? Right. <sighs> I did the same thing. I in New Hampshire, there was a. I was in a college town growing up, so the college mm. had a LARP that was about fifty to sixty people on average every week, and. Then every couple of weekends, I would go to Maine and play a game, sometimes two games in a weekend. I would go to mm -hmm. Massachusetts occasionally to play a game. There was a game in Vermont, of all places. Don't go to Vermont. I love Vermont. Um, <laughs> but there was a game there. Occasionally, I went to that one. Like It was a thing to do all this traveling. I remember sleeping like two hours once in a weekend right. because I was going to all these different LARPs. Oh. Like, when I graduated high school, I got my diploma and left to go to a LARP. Right. <laughs> Sometimes, and sometimes I wonder, you know, the big, the, so two things happen to bring down World of Darkness LARP popularity. It's still very popular, but the two things that happen is number one, every fandom eventually eats itself. Mm -hmm. And that happened. Uh, that all, the other thing that happened is the World of Darkness ended. You know, right. they, they ran the apocalypse. They ran yeah, they ran all of the the end the end times. I mean, they called the line the end times, and then they stopped publishing, you know, classic World of Darkness for for many years, and those two things were kind of the the end of the huge networked LARPs, uh, and and that was one of the other things we didn't really talk about yet is they were networks. Mm -hmm. uh, you could literally play in a game in any city you went to. You could take your character there when you traveled. I saw more of the United States going to LARPs than I than I did just because I wanted to travel, you know, and and that's super cool. Like when I was in my twenties, it gave me uh, and thirties really a real opportunities to go places I would have never seen and and see sites I would have never seen because the LARP was in the evening, so during the day you went to to gardens or you went to DC, yeah, whatever yeah. the the place was, and so. Um, so it was a very appealing and fun thing. And sometimes not to get too wistful, but sometimes I even wonder like, had they not done the end times and continued updating and moving world of darkness, what would, what would a werewolf LARP be like today? It, I bet they would be insane. Yeah. It's a good question. It's, and it's hard to say there's so many factors like leading into that because there was already a dip in attendance before the end time stuff like and some that, of that was the fandom eating itself right right so it's weird it's hard to say like where the silver bullet was haha but um there's Does it definitely have to be a silver bullet <laughs> <laughs> could it be silver plated according right. to the rules no it must be pure silver which doesn't make any sense but yeah long story Anyway, so I don't know. And especially because now the interesting thing with LARP is today we live in a world where um, I mean, you know, when you go to Disney World now and you ride the Star Wars Rise of the Resistance ride, that's a 35 minute LARP. Yep. I mean, you know, there's technology involved. The cars can move and things, but there are segments where you are literally they treat you like you are a character who has been arrested by the Empire or whatever. I like you know, it's a, it is a LARP. It's a fascinating thing how, how it's been uh, sort of taken and, and repurposed into to other things. And so, so I, I, I do wonder what would World of Darkness LARPs be like today if they hadn't kind of been, you know, victim of circumstance. Agreed. And the funny thing is Disney hired LARPers to uh, consult to, with them on the building right. of those things. So they yeah. know, they know what they're doing. Like it, it, it's an interesting question. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about how LARPs were. We talked about the, the first book. What other books were there? There, um, there was also the Red Book, Apocalypse Book. I always call it the Red Book. I don't, I think it's Everyone just, calls it the Red Book. Good. <laughs> and it's like, just called I don't, Apocalypse, I think, right? I believe so. He's pulling it out now to look. But yeah, and it that was like really the thing that took off for most werewolf larps that's right, really right. the the start point the first really big book was great but it was so bulky and most people were like you know what this is too complicated like this is too big too much let's just play vampire you know but when laws of the yeah it's called laws of the wild right when the red book mm -hmm. when the red book came out laws of the wild came out suddenly like everyone was like oh wait no we could do werewolf mm -hmm. 
it and makes was, it pocket size, which is like, mm -hmm. like great. Yeah, it's a it's a digest size book, but I mean, it's still thick. It's you know, two hundred and what fifty two hundred and fifty pages, mm -hmm. uh, but it's pocket sized, and so it's just the right size to go inside a long black trench coat pocket. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was on purpose. It was very, it's very intentional. Yep. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, and that was for, you know, that book was for second edition, right? And then that was followed with what they call the purple book, which, <laughs> which is Laws of the Wild for second edition revised. Right. Uh, and so, uh, and, and the rules were updated just as they were with tabletop. Um, they fixed some things. They did away with. They some broke things. some things. You know, like that's just the, the normal, way normal edition things. Yeah. Right. Right. So let's talk a little bit about these kind of groups of books because these are uh, these are kind of considered the the classic mind's eye theater books, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, they did all of the genres. They had a changeling book, a mage mm -hmm. book, a werewolf book, a vampire book. They even have like mummy, I think. Yeah, they definitely had mummy. There was a Victorian age book. I have almost all of them and i don't know why like i'm never going to use yeah. these books but i yeah. have like, a whole pokemon right you gotta catch them up right uh, and and then they even did some special books like they they did a book of the worm that was mm -hmm. just the lart book they did a hang yokai book and things like that and so they were really pretty uh pretty thorough in their publications of these things uh if we want to talk a little bit about the mechanics in them uh we can talk the mechanics were sort of the same in in second edition and second edition revised uh the the at its most simplest you would play paper rock scissors so if i'm gonna punch josh uh josh and Whoa. i josh and i would both what the what the cool kids called throwing chops right right so we would throw chops we would play paper rock scissors and uh if i win you know then i i was successful and i punched you and if you won i missed you dodged uh, and then there was a retest system. And so I would have uh, a trait like brawl and I could, I could scratch one level of brawl off my sheet. I could spend it to throw paper, rock, scissors with you again. And you could cross off a level of dodge to cancel my brawl and say, nope, we're not going to retest. Uh, and then uh, if we wanted to get really complicated, then I could spend, you could spend a willpower or I could spend a willpower and we could retest. Uh, if it was a social challenge, we could retest with a willpower. Um, there were some gifts that would allow a retest. Uh, and then if you tied, if we both threw scissors, then we would compare traits. Mm -hmm. And that just meant literally just like in, uh, in a tabletop game where you have 10 physical traits, you have 10 physical dots, so to speak, and I've got 11 physicals, then I would win. We, you know, we tied with, with the paper, rock, scissors. So we compare our, our stats on our sheets and whoever has the most wins. It sounds complicated, but once you kind of ironed it out, it would go really fast. Yes. Well, the, sort of, <laughs> because yes. Well, one-on-one, -on -one, I'm not talking about mass combat. Let's, That's a whole other. But let's be honest, mass combat runs slow in LARP and slow in tabletop. Yeah. Right. So there's no, it's not slow because of the system. It's yeah. slow because of the nature of, of what we're doing. Um, what makes it seem slower in a LARP is that you're balancing 20 people as opposed to balancing five in mm -hmm. tabletop. Yeah. But, but essentially the, the challenges are the same, just right. a little larger. Um, one, of the my, other, one thing I want to interject that's my favorite element of this is that you can lie about how many traits you have. As long as it's less than what you have. Right. Which is, it adds an interesting wrinkle in that trait bidding. Cause you can be a really powerful character and be like, I only have five. And then everyone's like, Oh, right. And then you're like, Oh no, you sorry. Bid eight. Right. Yeah. Or a lot of times you'd see people who, if, if they know they lost, they would just go one. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then you could also, uh, you could also just, you know, uh, concede you know, or relent, they called it. I, I relent, you punch me, it's fine. I did so. that a lot. I, like, I enjoyed that negotiation thing. Like, uh, you can hit me, like, uh, that's gonna add some cool drama to this scene. Like, let's right. go with it. So the two elements that make 
that adds some complexity to this is, as we all know, in World of Darkness, uh, each of the three attribute categories are divided into three sort of subcategories. So physical traits, uh, your physical is divided into strength and dexterity and stamina. Mm -hmm. And that happens in LARP, the LARP as well, except with the LARP rules for Mind's Eye, the old Mind's Eye Theater, um, it would be determined by adjectives. So here's, the, here's where it gets a little goofy. Um, it's my favorite part, but it's goofy. Uh, when you have 10 physical traits, those traits are literally traits. They are 10 adjectives that describe your physicality. And different adjectives apply to different types of, of challenges. Mm -hmm. So like one of the traits is quite literally just dexterous, right? And so when I go to punch Josh, I actually would have to risk that trait. They would call it bidding. And so I would say, I'm dexterous enough to punch you, Josh. And then Josh would have to bid something to, to get out of the way. Um, it could be dexterous. It could be quick. Right. It, it was, but it had to make sense. You couldn't be like, I'm tough enough to get out of the way. Right. Because that doesn't make sense. And yeah. if, you, if you lost, if you remember a few minutes ago, we talked about crossing off, uh, crossing off brawl and dodge. Like you lose those. You spend them. You also spend your traits. So if I'm dexterous enough to punch Josh and he's quick enough to get out of the way, if Josh wins and, dod and dodges, I lose one level of my dexterous. Mm -hmm. And so that plays into this idea, just like in tabletop, where someone might be more dexterous than they are you know, strong. Uh, it plays in that way too. I have more dexterous adjectives, more traits than I might have in stamina or whatever. Um, and there are a few traits, a few of the adjectives can be used for multiple categories, mm -hmm. um, you know, but for the most part, it was meant to replicate the idea that your character is getting tired. Right. And I always, people hate that. I found it fascinating because to me, that was where the strategy was. Cause we'll be honest, paper, rock, scissors can be to some extent, paper, rock, scissors is a little bit of a luck game. Uh, and that was something people disliked. The resource management of making sure that you don't run out of traits you need before you need them. To me, that was the skill. That was the challenge. And I used to love that. But a lot of people didn't. Yeah, right. A lot There's of people were just mad that I have 30 traits and you have five. And I lost because I threw scissors and you threw rock. And they would get angry. And But see, like for me... I always love that for as a storyteller because you know what? Sometimes your little Cleof who's trying to punch that elder can get through. That's a good story. Right. And you know, so in Dungeons and Dragons, even the 30th level knight can still botch roll, roll yeah. a one. Roll a one. Yeah. Yep. yep. It adds some interesting like complexity. And not getting into things like overbidding and everything like that. But yes, like there are there's a chance for everyone that to succeed mm -hmm. and that's fun until you learn that you know josh always throws scissors and then you're like ah i got you <laughs> scissors is not <laughs> oh my gosh so but you know there there really are strategies to to paper rock scissors though like yep. for example like you might not know this josh but most people throw scissors first right and it's actually because the way your mind works uh, it is the movement that requires the most muscles of the three symbols. Throwing scissors requires the most muscles. And so subconsciously, that is the, the, that is the sign that you throw. Because you're makes doing you, something. It makes you feel like you're playing the most. Right. And so most people throw scissors first. So you want to always throw rock. The very first challenge you get into. <laughs> this... At least against Josh. <laughs> these psychological like uh, analyses of the game were things that people did a lot of like there's oh, like, yeah. a lot of conversations in LARP about like it, it, there's almost like a rock paper scissors like academia in LARP it it's was it was so weird as a storyteller like and and not so much anymore but when I was storytelling you know like once a week I could I just showed him something funny. 
So Ryan is showing me a rock, paper, scissors strategy guide. That is, it looks like a fairly thick book for rock, yeah. paper, scissors. It's actually published by a professional rock, paper, scissors world champion. <laughs> wow. Yeah. They talk about patterns and things, and it's pretty fun. But yeah, it can be ridiculous. Here you go. So ahead. when I was storytelling, when, when, you, when you do it so often, you start being able to sense what people can throw. Yeah. And people will be like, you're reading my chops, like by looking to see what you're going to throw. And it's like, no, I just knew you were going to throw scissors. Like, and it's weird because then you're like, am I psychic? What's happening here? And it's, it's just a skill that storytellers started to pick up. And then it became even harder as a storyteller because then it's like, I know what they're going to throw. Do I let them win so the story can continue this way? Or do I have them lose because it's going to be better for story in the long run for them to not go into the cave and die? Or And, and that storyteller instinct almost mm -hmm. became the, the DM screen that you would roll behind yeah. so yeah. you could let your player have the win. Or let them not win so that way the whatever you needed to happen could happen for story. It was It was really interesting and like... Like, I remember sitting around with other storytellers going, what is going on? They're like, I don't know. I do it too. But I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll also tell you though, that was the part that was the most fun to me. Yeah. Was yep. the, all of these layers that it was like, we joke a very intricate, complex system of paper, rock, scissors, but it was, <laughs> but it really was. Yep. And it, I think it was underappreciated. Agreed. Like it's, uh, it is a flawed game. Rock, As paper, all scissors, are. Yeah, yeah. But it is flawed in a way that obviously adds a lot of like potential nuances to it, which is how you help tell role-playing game stories, right? There's, so, there's a charm to it. Right. Yeah. So there's at least two more books we need to talk about, right? Yeah. Yes. So, so with MET. With the original MET, the second book was Apocalypse Revised. Mm -hmm. um, and so that one... Is there anything specific you want to talk about? The no, I actually wanted to, to no, because there's just, there's just differences. Like yeah. we're not going to get into big things like that. What I really wanted to do though, was talk about the, um, the next MET book they put out that was werewolf themed. Oh, the laws of the wild west. Yes, I do. Uh, yes. So just as a weird, interesting note, the Laws of the Wild West book, they spelled wild, W-Y-L-D, like the, you know, the triad wild. Mm -hmm. And I only point that out because Werewolf the Wild West tabletop books did not, <laughs> did not spell it that way. Right. I would love to know why. So if, you, if you're, uh, I don't know, like I'm, I'm laughing because I'm opening up. If you're Peter Woodworth and wrote this book, let me know why you did that. Cause that's really interesting to me. It's a stupid thing, but I'm, I'm curious. I, I hope he just went, I'm clever. Well, yeah, well, I, <laughs> I hope, hope so. <laughs> I hope that he just went, why didn't they do this with the first one? This is so clever because right. it is. Yeah. Cause I'll be honest. I always thought it was spelled W-Y-L-D. But it's not, but it's yeah. not. I thought the same thing. And then when they came up with a 20th anniversary conversion guide, it's spelled <laughs> with a Y. Right. And I'm like, of course it is, because that's the way you spell it, right? Yeah. But it wasn't. <laughs> yep. yeah. So the the flaw, I'm going to hit this first because it is more than anything else. If somebody asks, what do you think of that book? The first thing I would say is uh, it is it is its own greatest enemy. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because what they tried to do with this book, with Laws of the Wild West, was uh, rewrite the parts of Laws of the Wild that were necessary to rewrite for, uh, you know, for LARP, for the new genre, but not rewrite anything that was the same across all werewolf LARPs. And so what happened is you ended up with a book filled with, see page 92 in the other book. Right. And it, it made it so that trying to run a LARP, when a rules question came up, you had to have like five books all the time and it was awful. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, it's bigger. It's a thicker book. It's, it's a bigger book than the, the red or the purple book. And so if they had just redone it, it would have been huge. Yeah. So, like, I, I understand why they did that. But, yeah, it did make it really hard because we actually ran a wild – we've run two Wild West games. 
three. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> it's, it's my favorite. And, and so, favorite. and so like, it is really difficult. Cause you're like, I don't even know what book it's telling me to look. And I've got five books to and, juggle. And it gets even more complicated because uh, laws of the wild West is a second edition MET book, right? They did not publish a laws of the wild West for second edition revised. <laughs> so if you were trying to run a second edition revised LARP, of laws of the wild west you would have to use the second edition book which referenced the second edition laws of the wild book and then you'd have to pull out the purple book for for revised to make sure the rule didn't change when it went from second ed to second ed revised yep. and so you were like two you were two editions deep across two genres across three books and it it was uh it was a really unfortunate challenge. It's a lot. My, yeah. my top secret, not so secret, like one day when I have all the time in the world, I want to do a Laws of the Wild West Minds Eye Theater book on Storyteller Vault and just put everything all in one book and make it so that you could actually run the game. That would be awesome. I, I ran a Wild West LARP as well, making it even worse for us. It was cross-genre. <laughs> so we had all of the games in it and we were using both second edition and revised books because some of the splats didn't have a revised book like changeling yeah, right. didn't and i don't know why like we pulled it off for a couple of games but it, yeah mechanically a mess a lot of work yep. yeah i always feel like wild west game larps anyway do better as one shots probably we got almost 175 players uh, right. in my game and we, it was really going. And so like, uh, it was nice to have such a big like pool yeah. of players. Wild West, uh, Werewolf the Wild West is, you know, in, in the same way that we talked about a few minutes ago, I had mentioned that there are more Vampire the Masquerade players, but Werewolf the Apocalypse players are more dedicated to Werewolf the Apocalypse. Um, the same is true of of Werewolf Wild West. Like, there are more Werewolf the Apocalypse players, but the people who liked Werewolf the Wild West are, like, fanatical about it. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, we, we love it. Yep. <laughs> it was the first line I had all the books for, and I am super excited to own all the books for it. It's got warts. It's a problem. We've talked about, I think we've reviewed right. all the books now, but it's there's something that's good there. Like they're running a Victorian mage uh, Kickstarter right now for people. It's on Indiegogo, not a Kickstarter, but Indiegogo. It touches into those same themes. Like people like those themes of Victoriana and Wild West. Like, they just marry well. Yeah. You know, the like werewolf, there's something visceral and savage and rough. Like it fits mm -hmm. in the Wild West. Yeah. 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 Um, that brings us to the latest edition of the rules. I'm going to skip the uh, Chronicles of Darkness rulebook because there wasn't a werewolf Fair. one. Can, can we just about, since we're talking just very quickly about World of Darkness LARPs, the, the Chronicles of Darkness, so at the time Chronicles of the Darkness was just New World of Darkness. Mm -hmm. And they did a very brief like three book LARP run and they completely scrapped all of the paper, rock, scissors and traded it in for play, a playing card system. Right. Um, and the only reason I wanna bring that up is because it involved some math and some methodology involving bonuses and, and things like that, that I believe influence the additions we're about to talk about. And so I just yeah. wanted to say that, th yeah. so that there's some you know, con context when we get into the By Night Studio stuff. I agree. Um, and I, there is actually some good context there. And I want to just say that the developers of those new World of Darkness LARP rules had a lot of good thoughts. I, the, be the best thought they had was that they built their system in such a way that you could literally translate any single thing you found in any new World of Darkness book yep. straight and direct right over into LARP rules. And they wouldn't have to keep publishing new books. Yeah. Yeah. With, and that was brilliant. It was clever. It also stopped them from publishing as many books as they probably could have. So right. it's like they published themselves out by doing good things. Like, A little bit, right. yeah. <laughs> and, and as we know from world from the old world of darkness, when you stop publishing, you stop in being interested. Yeah. 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 Um, so that brings us to the modern rules, which there was a long like space of time between those last set of rules, the revised rules and 
what the what are called the Binite Studios rules or the BNS rules. Um, Binite Studios is a weird company. They were founded by former White Wolf employees and who, their fan friends, right? To uh, to develop LARP rules for the uh, 20th anniversary editions of the games. But what's weird is they created their own continuity at the same time. So the 20th anniversary edition tabletop books said we're metaplot agnostic. We're not going to have any, like, we're going to not set any of this in a specific time. You can use whatever setting stuff you want to. The Binance Studios folks were like, you know what, instead of that, we're going to create our whole new setting that time has passed and things have changed and things are more dynamic in our LARP. Which, and not only did they pass time, but then they also, if they didn't, uh, if something that existed in Old World of Darkness, uh, if it didn't quite mesh with where they were taking it, they also sort of said, well, that didn't really happen. Right. Which made things very confusing from a LARP standpoint, because you would have people who played LARP for decades and they were like, wait, that didn't happen now? Like, so which books are canon and which ones aren't? And, and it, it wasn't even specific books it was parts of books yeah. right so there was a lot of cherry picking so it was just confusing yeah that said they're good books um the interesting thing is they're humongous they are 400 to 500 page the werewolf one is by 11 books. 900 oh wow it's 900 pages it is yes. 900 yeah Oh wow! I knew it was ridiculously large. I didn't. I guess it, I didn't realize it was. It, it's pages. actually hurt my back heavy. Yeah, it's yeah. big. It, um, which and, is weird. Like you went from these are easy to carry books to you cannot carry this book. Yeah, it is ever. three fingers thick. Wow. And <laughs> and not only that, but it, like for me anyway, I'm always afraid when I pick it up that I'm going to hurt the binding because sure. it's so big. Yep. Um, in fact, I've heard, I've, I've seen a lot of these books at games that have been, they've fallen apart. So they put them in binders. I, I don't use, we've never used our copy and the bindings falling apart. Yeah. Like they were, it's they just are, too big. It's well, just too big. And they're notorious for having been very poorly printed. Like, uh, and they would tell you this, the, yep. the Binance Studios folks would tell you the printers that they used originally did not, they failed them. Yeah. Yeah. I want to loop back on this in a weird way. So in the year 2001, I think, I started buying PDFs online. I was one of the first gamer people that I know that was buying all of my games on PDF. Like, I thought it was amazing. I was like, I can buy a, uh, a PDA. For those who don't know, that's a personal digital assistant. It's what you had before a phone. Um, I can... Uh, yes, I'm old and a nerd. Um, I can buy one of these and put my books on it. Mm -hmm. But at the time, you couldn't buy a legal copy of the PDFs of any of these books. So <laughs> I am going to admit to making some. Right. I, well, you, you bought the book. I bought the book. And, and then I, cut the binding. No, I, well, I know I scanned it by hand. They had, they had a, a wand scanners. And I use a wand scanner on all each of my pages to make my books. Uh, right. I wish I still had these PDFs because they were terrible and amazing at the same time. <laughs> but I went through all this work to be able to put my book into a PDF and onto my PDA so I could be able to just look at the books on the fly. I thought, right. I, and I was a genius, like to myself at least. Everyone else <laughs> thought I was ridiculous. But today... All of the books are in PDF, and that's how most people use them at a game is yes. as a PDF on their phone. At but the if game. you're but if you're making a character, people want the hard book in front of them. Yep. Yeah. It makes so it like easier. At a LARP, your check-in desk has to have a physical copy, and then everyone in play is pulling up their phones. Yep. You know, so it's funny. This was my favorite copy I ever owned of Laws of the Wild. Uh, they cut it, cut the binder off, and then spiral bound it. So nice. it would lay flat, or they could turn it back over to reference it quickly. In a... So people, people were clever with what they were doing with their books. Yep. And there, what's funny about those digest books, too, is that 
everyone had a copy. So they are super available compared yes. to the tabletop books. Like you can buy those LARP books for $3 on eBay because so many of them exist. Right. And that's good or bad. I don't know, but it's just a thing. Like there are tons of them. It was good there, so. at the time. Yeah. Because they were super accessible. Yeah. And if it disappeared at a game, you didn't cry about it. Right. You just went and got another one and right. it was 20 bucks. So, you know, might've stunk a little bit, but it wasn't that bad. You know, I have a story to tell about uh, a thing, but I don't want to tell it right now. So, um, <laughs> okay. The, now you're, now you, he just Jasoned us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have, a, I have the most interesting story in the whole wide world, but I'm not going to tell it. So let's talk about something else. I will tell this story. So <laughs> yay! 19 year old me was poor and a fool. And there used to be a company called Walden Books that was in every mall. And there were several malls around where I grew up. And I decided one day to go into Walden Books and I was looking around their LARP book section because of course they had one. And I was like, you know what I need? A third copy of Laws of the Night revised and you were like i have one for each hand but right but i need another one and for some reason i got it in my head that i wasn't going to pay for this new copy of laws of the wild revised oh, so not laws of, laws of the night revised and so i put it into my shirt thinking that i would be able to walk out of this bookstore with this book i did not <laughs> i got caught by the staff thankfully and they were like, what do you have in your shirt, sir? And I freaked out and dropped it on the floor and ran out. <laughs> and thankfully, they didn't call mall security on me because that would have been bad. But that is my, you know, terrible, funny story. That you're scared straight. Yeah, I did not. I Not never shoplifted again after that. Good. Ma so. Mama always said that this LARP thing was going to be bad for you. <laughs> yeah, everyone, do not steal LARP books. Do not. It's not worth it. Don't steal books at all. Don't steal. Yep. Yeah. It's bad for you. It is. So the By Night Studios. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> Which, studios okay, we, uh, to, to connect Josh's story. There is no way you could shove that in your shirt. No, you could not. And try to sneak out of them. Yeah, it is. It is 800 pages, and it is on a heavy paper <sighs> stock, so it probably truly weighs eight pounds. Yeah, it is a heavy book. Yeah, you could kill a man with that book easily. Yeah, um, and not just his character, right? No. <laughs> um, I, what I like about the Binance Studios rule system is that they went through mechanically and they said, "How do we make an uh, a, a an economy of cool?" to determine who gets to play what types of characters. And I really enjoy the way they nuanced it to say, you know, if you want to play a special snowflake, you can. But you've got to invest your points into it strategically to be able to play that special snowflake character. And you're going to lose other things to play that character. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really, really intelligently designed if it's not perfect. It may not be a perfect implementation, but the idea behind it is very, very good. So the, there was a flaw to it, however, mm -hmm. and it's not their fault. But the flaw to the economy of cool was that in all of the other World of Darkness iterations uh, they, they, that were being played across at least three different national organizations of LARPs, those kinds of cool characters rare and unusual characters is what they would call them, had organizational rules to make them, to keep them rare and unusual. They had rules that said, everyone in your game can't play a Korax because it's a werewolf game, right. right? And by making it so that if you wanted to play a Korax, you had to spend almost all of your build points to play a Korax, that should have solved that problem. But what it did was, it actually opened the door to let everybody play Korax because no one had been able to play a Korax in any other org for the last 30 years. And so they were willing to spend all their build points to do it. Right. And so it backfired, but that's not their fault. Right. The, the idea was sound. Yep. I think 
the best and worst part of the By Night Studios is that they created a system that left no wiggle room in any direction for anything. The It was every single thing was written down. I mean, that's why it's 800, 900 pages long. It was designed um, so that it, a player could not cheat. Right. But by doing that, they left no wiggle room for the storytellers to be able to do anything. So it's great for people who like to rules lawyer and understand every little nuance. Like it's great for them. And consistency. And consistency. It's, it's perfect. And I understand when people want that, but it's not good for people who like to do things off the cuff. Right. So like, it's a, it's a balancing thing. Like I understand why a lot of people are like BNS is the best book ever. And I also understand where a lot of people are like BNS is the worst werewolf ever. Yep. And it's really divisive. Yeah, you either yeah. love it or you hate it. Exactly. And it, the, the, the philosophies behind game design become really clear in this book. Like there is a whole group of game design that are like rules light LARP is better. There is a whole group that says mechanics help tell us, tell the story we want to tell. So mm -hmm. mechanics are good that is a huge philosophical divide that you're never going to get people to agree on. And right. it's okay to do one or the other. And I think it's interesting. Like I both really like BNS and I don't because when I LARP, I kind of prefer rules light and negotiation, yeah. but I can recognize the mechanical uh, intelligence of the BNS system. Right. Cool. The, uh, the I felt like mechanically the 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 concern really the the divide happened because believe it or not it doesn't sound like it but paper rock scissors is kind of rules light yeah and so the the challenge for BNS was when they went with the other design philosophy they uh, they basically issued twenty five years of LARP rules and so. For rules lawyers out there, the, the players in particular, they loved the new system. And for storytellers who were used to having gray area to tell their story in, uh, they tended to, to dislike it. Mm -hmm. um, and the, but the other challenge that they ended up with is in a, uh, and this to me is the, 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 the great failure of the BNS book, if there were one, it is that they did not take into account uh, cognitive overload. Right. There are so many rules that you have to spend half your night opening up the book and looking up your own powers. Yep. And what made that a problem is that the books were eight and a half by 11, weighed five pounds and were 400 pages. And so they ditched the pocket sized book and and then forced you to need their book on hand. And in a LARP, every time you've got to stop and look something up, you break immersion yep. and you stop the game. And so it works against itself. And, uh, and so like for me, my, my great criticism of the BNS mechanics is that uh, they are so, they're so thick that no one can know them all. And there's no room to fudge it a little and look it up later like there used to be. Yeah. The other interesting thing to note is that Binate Studios continues to exist as a company in a different form now. And they just released a new vampire book and an app to manage the game from. I have not seen it yet. I have not played with it, but it is a thing that is out there and it may make some of that easier so i right. don't know like it's a, it's a thing to at least let people be aware of but to me whether you're looking it up in a book or having to look it up in your phone it's there's still an immersion break sure you still had to stop so people that are smarter than me i want someone to design i've been saying this for a couple of years now i want someone to design a, a larp that if i if josh and i are in combat that we can tap our phones together and it will just tell us who wins. Yes. <laughs> I, 
And that way I can let the mechanics all happen on my phone and I can act it out. Right. Agreed. And that would be seconds of going, hit the button and yeah. pull up your sheet. Let's tap. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So for me, the perfect world, the perfect werewolf LARP rules would actually be if, if we could rewrite something that was like second ed revised, revised, not quite BNS. Like I really believe that the perfect, the perfect LARP system for werewolf exists halfway in between second ed revised MET books and the BNS book. Because there are some amazing things that BNS did that you could reapply to pay the old MET system uh, that could really improve and connect some things. And I think uh, somewhere in there lies like a pretty perfect system that we haven't found yet. Um, but yeah, good. Maybe. And I, I say maybe because I, coming from like an interest in the rules light spectrum of things, look at things like the night in question which is a vampire larp that was negotiated play and rules light and i look at that and i go why couldn't we do something like that like a blockbuster style larp like that with werewolf i think that would be cooler in some ways is it as accessible i don't know but it would be cooler and i don't know if you can do it in an organization so those are those caveats to it so I, I will, and this is going to be weird because I'm almost always like pro not rules. Um, I do think that throwing chops is important in werewolf hmm. because at some point werewolf does boil down to you are a giant monster that is fighting another, usually anyway, that is fighting a worm monster. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I want to be able to slam my fist into my palm since I, I want to feel like I am fighting something. And there is something physical about throwing a chop and throwing scissors or paper or whatever and be able to go, aha, I did it. Or, oh no, it got me. Like there, I, I do appreciate the, the chance for failure and not being able to decide that I fail. Like sure. sometimes... Well, you know, I, I really need to make this hit and I don't and my partner dies or, you know, like whatever. And, and so, like, I think that we forget that it's a story that we're telling, but it is also a game and there is chance and you can't always be the person that says, yes, I always get hit or no, I or yes, I always hit the bad guy. You know, like it, it, it there gives a little bit of a randomness there that I think is important to the game. Sure. And if we want to get outside of mechanics, there were also some a lot of genre changes. Yes. Um, when, when you know, Josh, you talked a few minutes ago about how they changed Vampire, you know, and moved it forward, and also rewrote some things. They took that to an even greater extreme with uh, with the werewolf genre, uh, and they went far enough that for a lot of people, they felt like it was no longer werewolf. Right. They, they felt like it was something else. Yeah. They clearly changed the setting. They yes. changed the history of the setting. They changed the modern like bits of the setting. They split the Garu Nation. There are good and bad things they did in the story for Werewolf. Um, and you're right. They drastically changed the, gen the genre. Is that bad? I don't know. Yeah. One of the, I think it's bad in the sense that there were no new tabletop books and all you had to compare it to were the last 30 years of the game that you've been playing. Sure. And so I think that makes any change feel more stark and more difficult to digest as, as a player or a lover of werewolf. Yeah. Um, my, one of the things that changed the most that I think was as a storyteller, the, the most disappointing was that they tried to uh, create rules so that you could have Pokemon battles with your spirits. Right. And that was something that the old laws of the night stuff always said, just don't do that. Just find role-playing reasons as a storyteller that those, that just doesn't happen because it's two NPCs fighting and that's not interesting. Uh, and they took away, but when they instigated that, they also took away the personalities of all of the spirits right and so now it was spirit level two 
as opposed to being a silver spirit or a rust spirit, like we were talking about earlier. Or, a, And I felt like it gutted the heart of the genre. And, and so for me, that was the, if, if I were asked if I liked it or not, I would say I, I did not care for the By Night Studio. I, I actually love By Night Studios Vampire. Mm. And I loathe By Night Studios Werewolf. And a lot of it is just because I feel like they, uh, the heart of what was the werewolf game is missing. I think For that's, me. yeah, I think that's fair. It, like it's, and every person I think is going to come at it differently because, yeah, yeah. because there's so much there, you know what I mean? Like there's right. so much content that it, I can see someone coming with the exact opposite argument. Like I like all the changes that they made. It makes this game more interesting. It makes me more engaged. Um, I can see all of that. I think the weird thing, and I want to acknowledge this, is that Paradox, the company that now owns White Wolf or the World of Darkness, is not in the, their new books are not in the same continuity that the Binance Studios books are. Right. And that is a problem for players that want to interact with the books. Right. And is that a problem uh, that is for many smarter people than I to determine, but it is. A I thing. think, I think it's only a problem if or when they start publishing uh, LARP rules for, for V20 and W20 once it's out. Right. And we don't know if that will happen. I feel like the BNS like side I don't, I don't even know how to say it, like alternate universe mm -hmm. is a lot like the issues people have with Star Trek right now. I don't right. even know what universe this is. Nobody does. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. Just enjoy it. If you enjoy it, go do that. If you don't, go play the other thing. You know, like there's, that's, yeah. that's what's nice about this is you have so many choices. There's enough LARP for everyone. There is. Yep. Yeah. And In fact, there's almost too much LARP. Right. When we can no, mark again. Yeah. Well, no, there's, well, yes. But I'm just saying there's so many choices. We actually need more LARPers to fill in those choices of more what I meant. Yeah. yeah. That is uh, that is an honest like thing to be aware of in the community. For people that want to go out and LARP, like there are so many LARPs now that sometimes you go to a LARP and there are 10 people just because they're like, oh, there are other LARPs this weekend. And mm -hmm. Jack and Susie are at the LARP down the street, you know, which is a Harry Potter game or whatever. And that's their thing. So they wanted to do that. Or it's a Star Trek LARP. And that's their thing. They wanted to do that. Like, it is both good and bad to have more LARP. So if you are considering making a new LARP, see what's out there first. Support other LARPs. Make sure you're not running at the same time. Because there's nothing worse than having nobody show because they're all at a different LARP. Yeah. I and think that's all post-COVID. Just to throw that out. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Please. Yeah. I think uh, it's important to note with a LARP that there are, are points at which the uh, societal sort of, uh, like the society of a LARP, uh, if we were to think of the LARP game as sort of a, a little microcosm, right? There are points at which the dynamics of the game change, right? And so when you have five people playing a LARP, it's just a tabletop game, except it's in a big room. Right. Mm -hmm. And it feels like a tabletop game for better or worse and all of that. Uh, when you reach about 10 people, the game feels lonely because you have just enough people to know you're not in a tabletop game, but not enough people to split the group and go on separate missions and do things like that. At 15 to 16 people. That, that's suddenly, that's your first sweet spot. It's yeah. suddenly a LARP. Yeah. You have, you know, you can split up into groups to attack bad guys from different sides. There's enough people where you have the full spread of skills necessary to address problems across various characters and things there, like that. The, the, the best is when you are able to have a social scenes happening and have a fight happening at diff two different locations. Right, and right. then like they meet up later and like, well, this happened, will this happen? And it's like the world continued on while they were doing their thing. Right. And if you can get your game to about 22 people, that is when LARP, I think, be really truly shines yeah. is, is or over that. And then the next change doesn't happen until you're at about 80 people. 
And at that point, it's interesting because storytellers become not storytellers. They rather become uh, rules adjudicators yep. because when you get to that big a game, it, it runs, runs itself. itself. Yep. And that's exactly. amazing also. Yep. And then you get to hear the stories the players are creating and you're like, that was not my plot, man, but I'm that was so in excited. My game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And players, I think uh, th at that level, p players love the game in a different way because they're yeah. getting something different out of it because they're running their own stories or they're interacting with stories that are happening like immersively. And like, uh, there's a word I want to use, like, they're just like generating these stories almost by accident. Yes. And that's so much fun. And it's rarer these days, but when you get there, whoo, it's good. Yeah. So we have a lot of notes, but we are run pretty long on time. So I'd like to invite both of you back to have this conversation again. Ryan, I'm inviting you specifically because Carrie, you're with me all the time. You're uh, like, Carrie, you can't get out of this. <laughs> you're stuck. Um, <laughs> but I would like to invite Ryan to come back again and have a conversation about building LARP story because I think that would be an interesting conversation for us to have as well as now that we've got this background belt. Yeah. Now that you're my podcast husband, we can get back oh, together. <laughs> Yes. Sounds good to me. I, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> okay. So on that note, um, we're going to wrap everything up. Um, but until we actually get an answer to when will you rage in a LARP, we'll talk to you again next time. After COVID.